Go with the notes. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, for those of you, a little bit of introduction, it was an acrostic psalm, which means that the different phrases and the different verses were uh, written according to the Hebrew alphabet. And that was so that the, the youth could learn it. They could memorize it. And King David, when he wrote this psalm, was an elderly man. And as an elderly man, he wanted to teach truths, what we're calling life principles, to a younger generation of Jewish people growing up. And he wanted to teach them some things that he'd learned as an older man so throughout his life. And so he wrote for them Psalm 37. Um, and we're just going to take some of those life principles. How does a psalm that was written 3,000 years plus ago fit into our life today? How can this become real to my life? Let's see. Let me look one more time. One, three, nine. All right. Verse one. Luckily, I have the notes up here. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do what's wrong. That's verse one from today's Living Translation. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. One of the timeless truths is that life's not always fair. You may go and you may hear some preachers say, oh, come to Jesus and you'll drive a beamer into glory and everything will be wonderful. That's not always true. People we love die. Divorce happens. Unemployment hits us. COVID surprises us. And then sometimes it seems like the people who are the most dishonest and backstabbing at work get the promotions. It happens. It happens. And he said to us, don't worry about those who live less than godly lives, yet prosper. Don't worry about them. It's a timeless theme. And he wanted the Jewish people because the Jewish people have seen non people who do not wish, worship the true God, prosper and, and go forward, and then they come to theirs, and it's not fair. It's a timeless theme. And about 600 years later, there was another uh, a psalmist. His name was Asaph, and he wrote Psalm 73. 600 years later, this whole idea was still going on. And hopefully, I can read that screen right back there, because look, we got a new thing today. I have it up in front of me so that I can see what you're seeing here. It's our new toy. Um, can we go? I think we have to go back one. Yes. Uh, nope. Back one more. I'm so sorry. This is my fault. Oh, dear. All right. Yep. Go forward. Because I cannot read that. The psalmist wrote this. As for me, I almost lost my footing. This is that whole idea that don't worry about those who live less than godly lives. My feet were slipping. And I was almost gone. Why? For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. It happens, folks. They seem to live lives, much such painless lives. They do. They have better eyesight than me. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have trouble like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. He went on to say this. What does God, the people say, what does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, the psalmist said, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. 
Did I keep myself pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing, but trouble all day long, every morning brings me pain. I tried to understand this, why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. One of my favorite stories. It was the beginning of the 20th century, and there was a, an elderly, retired missionary couple who'd served, and this is a true story, who'd served 30 plus years in Africa. They were returning to the United States because they were old and it was time, it was time to come back. And they were on a ship, and on that same ship just happened to be President Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was a man's man, you know, and he liked to go hunting. And he, had, he was returning from an African big game hunt. And when, they, when he was on the ship, everybody was kissing up to him and ooing and aahing. And the older missionaries were like, you know, we've served the Lord for 30 years in Africa, and nobody even knows we're here. And this man went there for, no, that's a true story. The missionary husband told it. And this man goes and shoots some elephants and other things that we wouldn't shoot anymore. And everybody's ooing and aahing on him. It's not fair, God. They were having this worrying about those who live less than godly lives yet prospering. They were pulling into New York City. The mayor of New York City came. Ban and I'm not making this up. Bands played. And everybody welcomed the president, and they had streamers, and everything was going great. And the old missionary couple slipped off quietly to try to find a flat or someplace that they could live on the east end of New York City. That was all they could do. And now, by this time, the husband was really, was like, God, I, I don't think you're fair to me. I don't get it. This just isn't right. This man's been there two weeks, and he gets all this, and I gave 30 years of my life. And he said it to his wife, and his wife told him, you know, dear, you need to go upstairs and pray about this. That's probably what Miss Kim would have said to me, okay? A short time later, he went up to his room and he prayed. This is the best part of the story. He came out of his bedroom, but his face was completely different. His wife asked, what happened? And he said this, let me read you a quote from his story. The Lord settled it with me. I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming when no one met us when we returned home. And when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you're not home yet. <laughs> There's more to life than this life. We're not home yet. And what happened, the changing point in Psalm 73 from Asaph, he says, then, let me find it real quick, then I realized that my heart was bitter. And what happens, let's be honest, sometimes when we look at the unfairness of life, we become bitter. He said, my heart was, was, uh, my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet... I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. We're not home yet. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. But as for me, how good... Oh, this is my testimony. As for me, how good it is to be near God. 
I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone the wonderful things you do. There's more, the, the life lesson. There's more to life than this life. We're not home yet. Goes on to verse 3, and he simply says, verse, the first part of verse 3, trust in the Lord. So on your notes, what do you write there? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. You can trust him. You can trust him. But pastor, sometimes I feel like the father of the demonized boy in Mark 9 where he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And there, you don't know how many times I prayed that one. Lord, I believe, but <coughs> help my unbelief. Without going into depth, because I think on our notes it says, does it say, nope, it doesn't. Oh, well. How do I build my faith? How do I, you know, how, how do I make my, my belief stronger? Here's what, in October, you get to know God better. You get to know God better. You get to know God better. And one way we get to know him better is through his names. We're going to do that in October. And in November, we're going to get to know his attributes. Oh, we'll be, we'll be speaking Hebrew. We get to know him better, but I also know that verse in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Faith, belief, stronger faith, and hearing through the word of God. And this is like my, my cry through the ages. Get in the book. Get in the book. Get in the book. Get in the book. Read that. That's why we're... And in, in your bulletin, every week is what we're reading. This week, uh, today is the... 20th, so we'll be reading Psalm 20, 50, 80, 110, 140. We'd love to have you join us on Tuesday if you'd like to. But I do want to say this, because somebody came, I'm going to be honest with you, someone visited us Tuesday night, and this person thought it was going to be a Bible study where the pastor stood up there and taught, and we took notes. No, this is where we come together, those people who were singing, plus about 10 more, and we share what God is speaking to us and what we're speaking to him. It's more of a, a sharing time. We'd love to have you join us if you'd like. Uh, let's finish. Uh, let's go to the next one. He says also in verse 3, trust in the Lord. I jumped ahead. I'm so sorry. Lynette has worked so hard to get this down and I messed it up because I lost my notes. Let's go back one, Lynette. You're doing great. Trust in the Lord. Oh, no, we did that. That's right. You're right, Lynette. I'm wrong. Do good. Do good. Remember the Nike the Nike, just do it. I tried to get a Nike logo, the swoosh, here on my notes. I thought you would have been really impressed with it. But I tried cutting and pasting and doing it, and swoosh wasn't the word that was wanted to come out of my mouth, so we just decided it would be better without the Nike logo in the sermon notes. And on my notes, I wrote, just do it. Just do it. The psalmist wrote, trust in the Lord, do good. Have faith and just do it. The prophet Micah, he lived hundreds of years later when the people of Israel were at another spiritual low in disobedience and idolatry, and he wrote these words. He has shown me, O man, what is good for you. He has shown you, Second Union Church, what is good for you. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to do what is right. Just do it. Just do it. And to love mercy and to walk humbly 
with your God. There, you know, there are some things you don't have to pray about. For example, let me give a little commercial here. On your way out today, you'll find this little love bag. And it has lunch or a meal that doesn't spoil for a homeless person. And you can grab one, you can grab two, you can grab three. You put them in your car. They won't go bad with the heat. has a juice in there. I think it has sachicha, crackers. That they, you know. And then when you see somebody on the street, and they look, just reach out your hand and say, Ay, Dios te bendiga. Oh, pastor, I need to pray about it. No, you don't. Just do it. Just do it. Some things you don't have to pray about. Just do it. Oh, should I be faithful to my spouse? Hello? Hello? Just do it. Be faithful. Stay there. Be true. And the last part of verse 3, he wrote these words. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. And on my notes, I put it in a contemporary way. Bloom where you're planted. I loved how Derry told his story about the different places. I really enjoyed that, Derry. Thank you very, very much. Amen. But bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever you are, you are. I'm so profound. Wherever you are, you are. And God has you there for a purpose. Where, here's a life. Wherever you are, you are. And God has you there for a purpose. Dwell in the land. Bloom where you're planted. Jeremiah put it another way. And I, I love this. But let me give you the background to the scripture before we read it. The Babylonians came in and totally destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple, the, the center of the place where the Jews believed that God resided. They, they killed. The blood ran through the streets like water. And some they took into captivity to Babylon. And uh, there were two prophets who prophesied at this time. Jeremiah, and he stayed in, in Jerusalem with a few that were left behind. And Ezekiel, he went off to Babylon with those who were taken away. But, and so over in Babylon, where the few that survived were, there were some false prophets and said, nah, two years, this whole thing's going to be over. We're going home. It's going to be great. And Jeremiah, who had a, a tough ministry, I do not want the ministry of Jeremiah. Thank you very much, Lord. But he had a tough ministry. And he said, no, 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 no. If you, I'm giving you the synopsis of the book. No, those are false prophets. You're going to be there 70 years. And listen to what Jeremiah said. Let me read this for you, now that you know the background. No, uh, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of, Lord of Heaven's armies, remember that one from last week? Lord Sabaoth, that was last week. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, Eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord, for it is its welfare will determine your welfare. In other words, he said, you are where you are. God has you there for a purpose. Bloom where you're planted. Lord, what am I doing in Puerto Rico? You don't say that, of course, especially if you're from Minnesota in January. <laughs> but you are where you are. God, ha God has you 
for those of you that this is your church home, God has you in Second Union Church for a purpose. Bloom, blossom where you're planted. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Darrell. Yeah. All right. Oh, 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 even better. Do you know what comes right after those words? Look at the verses that you know my heart. Jeremiah says, if you bloom where you're planted, if you do these things, then this will happen. I know the, and you know these verses. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Bloom where you're planted. He'll take care of you. He'll bless you. Amen. I'll keep moving along. Verse 4 on your notes. Verse 4. Take delight in the Lord. This is where I was supposed to say how. Take delight in the Lord. And he promises us, he promises us, if we'll take delight in him, he'll grant us our heart's desires. Oh, I want that one, Jesus. I want my heart's desires. But how do I take delight in the Lord? Daryl, I know, Pastor Daryl, I know you're kind of all excited about this, but I'm not all excited like you are. How do I take delight in the Lord? On your notes, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Philippians 2.13 would be a great verse to memorize. It is God who is working in you. It is God the Holy Spirit, because remember, as believers, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, literally. It is God who is working in you both to will, to want to. I don't, Pastor, I don't really even want to delight in the Lord. Then ask him to help you want to. He'll ask you to will and work in you according to his good purpose. Ask him. Ask him. And here it is. And okay, so for me, I have my daily dates with Jesus, my best friend. I just say, oh, Kim will call me. Because Kim's up in the States for a few weeks helping our kids. And she'll say, oh, how was breakfast with your best friend this morning? I say, mm, 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 mm. And I take delight in it. I take delight in it. Um, can I say this? It is not self-talk. This is not something you talk yourself into. This is not some new age mumbo jumbo. This is not, no, let's keep going, yeah. It is God, it is not a positive attitude. You know, let's, let's just think good thoughts. Kumbaya. Well, kumbaya, ya, ya, ya. It has to be God. It's not something we work up. Well, some people do. But if you want something that's going to last forever and build grace in your life, it has to be the Holy Spirit. It has to, it is God, the Holy Spirit, working in me. If you want to find yourself taking delight in the Lord, ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help you. Amen. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, I got to step away just for a minute. I don't remember much from my Hebrew in seminary, but I do remember this. Do you know what, I am not making this up. Do you know what the Hebrew word for delight is? in this verse means, literally, in Hebrew, it's not up there. It means, let me, let me get it, exacto, exacto, because I want to make sure I don't say it wrong, to spin around in happiness. To spin around in happiness. Have you ever watched any of the, the Price is Right?
boring. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. And Daryl, I'm just not there yet. Then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you get there. All right, let's keep moving, please. Next on your notes. Oh. Oh. On your notes, sometimes he does give you your heart's desires. Sometimes he does. But I would be untrue to reality if I said he always does. Sometimes he changes your heart's desires. True story, and you've heard me tell it before. The three years between China, and I'm sorry that I have to tell you this story so many times. The three years between China and Second Union Church, I taught middle school to eighth grade ESOL students from Guatemala, uh, Dominican Republic, Mexico, Puerto Rico, there are different places and taught them English. When I first started, I am not gonna lie. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And I was trying so hard, take delight in the Lord, take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your I knew this verse. Lord, I'm trying, I'm trying. After months, probably more than a year, I don't know exactly, somehow he worked in me contentment. I wasn't really happy, but I was content. And people at church would say, how are you doing? I'd say, I'm content. And there's something to be said for contentment. I was content. Just before leaving, I actually come to love that job. I was like, I love teaching those kids. And I love some of the embarrassing questions and, and pouring myself into their lives as the uh, abuelo. Abuelo. Abuelito. Because I was old enough to be probably almost some of their great-grandfather. God changed the desire of my heart. And then God gave me the desire of my heart. And that's to be here with you folks. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Let's keep moving. Commit your way to him. Commit. Commit is a strong word on your notes. It means pledge, vow, bind to one. Pledge, vow, bind a person to a certain course or policy. That's what the original word in, Greek, in Hebrew means. Commit your ways to him. The Christian faith is not for wimps. The Christian faith is for men who, and women and youth who will make a commitment. Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Not the greatest suggestion. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. We never sang, I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to thee, my blessed. No. Jesus wants us to say, I surrender all. And if you're not in for the whole ball of wax, pray that it'll help you get there. Jesus said these words in, in Luke chapter 14. Uh, let me find them here. Thank you, thank you. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He was not talking about putting on some nice little gold around your neck. Oh, I'm taking up my cross and following Jesus. Oh, please. Do you really think that's what it means? 
The cross was a means of crucifixion and death, and it was horrible. And Jesus calls us to be willing to lay down it all for him. He went on in just a few cha uh, chapters later. He said, in the same way, those of you, listen, folks, and this is not going to win me popularity, but this is what Jesus said. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. He wants to be number one in our lives. And I love this quote. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs everything. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. When I was a teenager, Kim and I in our youth group, we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow. Here's the catcher. No turning back. No turning back. And we also sing, we won't sing it. Though none go with me. It's not up there. Still I will follow. Amen. None go with. Okay, you're singing. Still I will follow, though none go with me, amen. Still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Let's wrap this up. Verse 21, the godly are generous givers. On your notes, be a giver. In the month of September, I'm going to tell you what's happening in the month of September. First Sunday in September is going to be Communion Sunday, and it's going to be very special. That's two weeks from today. Very special. The whole service will be built around communion. Bring your Hebrew hanky so you can go, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But the other three weeks in September, we're going to talk about stewardship and managing what he's given to us, entrusted to us, and, uh, and about being, a, a, being generous givers. For God so loved the world that he gave. Here's another quote. I like this one. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You think about that one. You could even write that one down in your notes because I didn't put it in there. Did I? Nope. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And just quickly for your notes, give systematically and thoughtfully, but we'll talk about that in about three weeks. And finally, I'm trying to bring us to a conclusion. Oh. Verses 23 and 24. And 24, you hear me quote so often in church. It's the first verse, well, one of the first verses I learned from the Living Bible when I was a teenager. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. <laughs> this is verse 23. I didn't memorize this one. He delights in every detail of their lives. Does that make you just want to drop your jaw? He. <laughs> God, the holy, omnipotent, Lord Sabaoth, holy one, delights in every detail of our lives. I remember writing in my journal, Lord, please delight in me. Please delight in me. But here's the verse that I love, verse 24. And I'll quote it to you from the, the Living Bible. Though you fall, 
it will not be fatal, for the Lord upholds you with his strong right hand. And uh, if you flip your notes over, there's only one, and I asked her, I don't know how much we paid for this red ink, but I wanted this to be in red ink because I wanted it to stand out above all. And I, if I could be so bold as to say I speak on behalf of our Father, he's not done with you. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. Yes, you may fall. You may stumble, but you're not. You may be down, but you're not out. He is not done with you. Psalm Isaiah 41, for Isaiah 43. Your notes are wrong. It says 41, but it's 43. Verses 10 and 13. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. I'm looking for a guinea pig. I won't do it. Yes, I will. Come on up, Dennis. strength of the grip wasn't in him. The strength of the grip was in me. The strength of the grip is not in you. The strength of the grip is in him. Amen. He holds you with his strong, righteous right hand. I am the Lord your God, it says, who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Okay, let's practice our Hebrew. Are you ready? The Lord Jesus himself said these words. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. No one is going to take you out of his hands. Don't buy into that load of malarkey. Let's close with one last life verse. Say, I think. Let me make sure I did everything. Verses 25 to 28. This is me. This is me. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I've never seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. For the Lord will not abandon his faithful ones. And I've got to tell you a true story that happened to me this week. I think we read this on Wednesday in our psalm reading. We read this one on Wednesday. And Wednesday, I happened to have scheduled a lunch with a younger Christian man. He's in his 40s, but that's younger than me. And he's had a career crisis in his life. He was offered a job that'll pay him a whole lot more money, 70% more than what he's making now. Or, but it'll be all-consuming, all-consuming. 
and um, will affect the way he can serve the Lord and serve the church. He has young children. What do I do? What would you do? And that morning I had read these verses. And I said, well, you follow your heart. But I have been young. And now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Mother seed out begging for bread. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. And the last blank on your notes. The last blank. Hallelujah. He's finished. He is faithful. He is faithful. I don't have a hanky. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Once again. No, I'm sorry. I mean, but it's so true. I love Jeremiah again. Jeremiah, if you want to read short of the big picture, a kind of depressing book, you read Jeremiah because everything that could go wrong went wrong for that man and he tried so hard to be faithful to God. And in the midst of, I think he wrote this soon after he had been thrown in an empty well in the city, left to die. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen? I talked to another friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and this friend of mine said, Pastor, I, I, I'm second in church, okay, but I miss singing in Spanish. <laughs> 